Hey friends, this is Andy Storch, and I'm excited to announce that we are bringing the Talent Development Think Tank Conference back on February 22nd and 23rd in Sonoma, California. Yes, you might remember we hosted this conference for the first time in January 2020, and it was a huge hit with everyone telling us it was the best conference they ever attended. And of course, we were looking forward to running it again in 2021 until the pandemic hit. That's when I launched the Talent Development Think Tank membership community, and that's been going strong since May of 2020. But I know how valuable it is to get people together in person, and that's why we are excited to be bringing the conference back again on February 22nd and 23rd in Sonoma, California. I'm committed to making this a highly engaging and interactive event where you can connect, learn, and grow together with other talent development professionals. This is going to be the best event out there in talent development, and I would love to see you there. If you want to find more information and get your tickets today, the website is tdtt.us conference. That's tdtt.us slash conference. I hope to see you there. Welcome to the Talent Development Hot Seat with your host, Andy Storch. The show is dedicated to helping you develop the most important part of your organization, the people. If you are in HR or talent development, or you just want to learn how to get the best out of your people, then you are in the right place. Each week, Andy shares interviews with talent development professionals, thought leaders, and experts to share best practices, learn about the latest trends, and find out what has been successful in the world of talent development. This podcast is designed to give you what you need to be successful in the world of talent development. Now, here's your host, Andy Storch. Welcome to the Talent Development Hot Seat. I am your host, Andy Storch, and I'm excited that you are joining me today for another great episode to help you take your career in talent development to the next level. That is our mission, and that is what we are all about. And you know, I'm always looking for great guests, great conversations, great subjects, great topics to help us do just that. And today we are talking about user-centered learning design, as well as how a large professional services firm like Deloitte made the shift during COVID and used user-centric learning design, that is learning design that really focuses on what users need and want and what they care about to design and develop effective learning programs. My guest today is Nick Shackleton-Jones, who is a revolutionary L&D professional responsible for coining the courses to resources shift and introducing the 5DI approach to user-centered learning design. Nick has a track record for shaping future learning approaches for numerous public and private organizations and has won several awards in the process. Currently, Nick is the HR director in charge of learning at Deloitte in the UK, where he is focused on building a better experience for employees and performance for the organization. And Nick, uh, right before we went on to record this interview, Nick announced that he was going to be leaving Deloitte to start his own independent consulting practice. But by the time this publishes, I believe he still is at Deloitte. And of course, he shares a lot of his experience in what was done at Deloitte, his approach to talent development and everything in between. In this episode, we also walk through the maturity model, the what he calls CTR, concern, task, and resource. And we also walk through his 5DI model to approach to learning design. There's a lot of great practical tips, advice in here and how you can approach learning design for your next program, need, consulting project, whatever it may be. And if you have more questions, of course, you can reach out to Nick and he'll be even more available probably soon after he goes off to start his independent 
career. We also have a bonus Q&A session in our next episode with Nick. We talk more about his thoughts on that and why he's doing that now and as well as accomplishments, failures, and all of that stuff. I want to remind you that this episode and all our episodes are sponsored by the Talent Development Think Tank membership community. This is the number one place for talent development professionals to go to learn, share, grow, connect with each other. And uh, we have a live call every Wednesday. I think we're going to get Nick to join us on a call soon. And we'd love for you to join us as well. Our website is tdtt.us. That's tdtt.us. All right, without further ado, here is my interview with Nick Shackleton-Jones about learning-centered design. Enjoy. I'm excited to be joined now by Nick Shackleton-Jones. Nick, welcome to the podcast. Great to be here. I'm excited to be on the podcast. I'm excited to have you here and catch you in an interesting transition time in what you're doing in your career. And, you know, I'm all about people owning their careers and going, following their dreams, going in the directions they're going in. So maybe we'll get to that. We have time, but I want to focus in on things that can provide value to our listeners. And before I get there, I want to start by just more of a broad question asking you, you know, you've had quite a long career, successful career in talent development, working for different companies, doing different things. What's been your general philosophy of talent development of learning and how has that shifted over time? Ooh, that's a good question. And I like the fact that you use the word philosophy. You may or may not know that I have two really, in fact, that's what I kind of started out doing, you know, uh, philosophy and psychology. Hmm. Um, and it's a passion that I have maintained kind of over the years. And I'll tell you something really interesting is that in business, nobody asks the why questions, you know? So there's this big disconnect when I joined corporate life, which is I would sit in these meetings and everybody would nod along and, and I would ask why, and, and it would be a tumbleweed moment. And over the years, I sort of learned not to do that. Oh. But it, this is kind of nagging thought that the big questions, the big questions in your life, the big questions about business and especially the big questions about learning, learning design, learning evaluation, learning impact, you will never answer unless you think deep enough because it's an, a whole field of work which is awash with stuff which is kind of bureaucratic and superficial and doesn't make any difference. And if you're not very careful, and this is especially for kind of people who are new to the industry, you'll find yourself caught up in a whole bunch of ritualized activity. And I think my, I find different different ways of kind of challenging businesses and one of my favorite ways recently is the pizza shop it's kind of like somehow we set up a, an internal pizza shop and we're all busy you know selling our pizzas internally and the business is paying for it and we, what we can track people like it yeah they, they kind of like it onto one five scale we can track their consumption of it right how many courses are completed but we can't say if it's doing anybody any good and sooner or later somebody says well all this activity what is it actually doing anyone any good we can't yeah. we can't answer that and that will that that's correct in terms of your your life and your sense of purpose but I'm going to answer your question which is you know in terms of philosophical alignment I think it, perhaps it's best summarized in our mission at Deloitte to measurably improve the performance and experience of our colleagues and I think that we can do those two things in talent learning we can either improve people's performance and oftentimes that's by eliminating learning paradoxically Mm. or we can radically change their experience you know their experience of joining the organization their experience of working in the organization their experience of being a leader their experience of leaders we have that power so it's a very privileged position yeah it's i like that you broke it down in those two buckets and i don't think we talk enough here or anywhere about employee experience what is the overall experience from the time they apply to getting a job to onboarding to the training that happens to the manager they have to the time they potentially leave 
the firm or the company? And what does that look like? And do they still keep a good relationship going on? To what extent do you look at that overall experience and how do you set that up so that employees feel like, you know, I'm getting a great experience here. I wouldn't want to go somewhere else. Yeah, I think we're trying to do it much more, trying to move away from the educational experience, because I think a lot of learning and development departments actually kind of purveyors of training or education. And what we actually provide is an educational experience in two flavors. It's either the click next through a bunch of e-learning modules experience, or it is actually the, the go and sit in a classroom and, and experience something that feels a little bit like school experience. And neither of those are having an impact on performance or employee experience more broadly. But here's the interesting thing is that people are learning, as we know from 70 2010, every day. They're learning in a whole variety of ways. They're learning on the job. And that's where we need to be. We shouldn't be like, you know, the Easter Bunny there once a year with a course. We should be there every day supporting them with you know edifying experiences with challenges with resources that support them as they're trying to learn and get stuff done and, and that's a big mindset shift and it, it's frightening i guess for people who've lived in a sort of an educational model you know put together a course and and now we're actually thinking about how do we integrate ourselves into the employee experience how do we transform mm -hmm. how it feels to work a sense of belonging you know connection with with peers that that that's really important stuff yeah. And that's a, that's a great point. And it's a great thing to say. I think we all aspire to do things like that. But then most of the industry is still focused on training classes or interventions or, you know, let me make these things available to you to consume when you want to consume them, right? Um, yeah. Yeah. Or creating this, this, this platform that people could go to, but they never do. Yeah. Yeah. How do yeah. we integrate into the experience, the employee experience? Yeah, I mean, it's just nuts. I mean, it's, it's what I sometimes call content dumping. And you know how that story goes, right? We buy a whole bunch of content from I don't know, LinkedIn Learning. We're nothing against LinkedIn Learning. You, know, you just yep. buy it. Nobody consumes it. And then we embark on a whole series of initiatives to force pe feed people stuff that they don't want and doesn't relate to their performance so that we can justify our existence. And we, and we might call it kind of self-directed learning, you know, yeah. which is really a kind of uh, an agenda for kind of support your local L&D team because people think they're not making a difference. Uh, it's just insane. You know, some of the activity goes on there. But then it's, you know, it's worth remembering that. You know, I sometimes use the example of trepanning. You know, trepanning is drilling holes in, in people's heads, you know, to make them feel better. That was accepted medical practice for something like 6,000 years. And, and people still do it today. Mm -hmm. So it's not as if human beings don't spend, you know, centuries and millennia doing completely pointless and ridiculous things. And they just become kind of bureaucratic rituals and, and off we go. And, and we're idiots if we think that we don't do that today because we do. And one of those things that we're doing is education you know amazing you kind of hire people into hr roles and they've got a two one in art history they've learned nothing that actually kind of relates to being on the job but you know hey you know they've got a certificate so so um, the answer to your question <laughs> this is a fair question what can we do to yeah. integrate sort of learning and work well there's two things one thing is we can build performance support and anybody who's familiar with performance consulting gets that. They won't need me to evangelize about it, but just simple stuff, useful stuff that helps people with the job. You, you won't be able to build any of that, by the way, without doing audience analysis. You know, you can't just take a bunch of topics. If you want to really build useful stuff, you have to talk to people and understand what the challenges are, what the tasks are. The second thing we can do is we can provide experiences and challenges and situations which move them. And actually, the, the pivot for that, the delivery for that is the leader. You know, mm -hmm. and so we can train leaders to really 
you know, coach people, to set them challenging, you know, tasks to do, to believe in growth mindset in ways which will really kind of push them on through those experiences. So that's a simple but very robust model for thinking about how we make a difference, either build useful stuff or build challenging experiences whole different ways of doing that latter thing. But those are the basically the only two things we can do in learning. Of course, we can build e-learning modules and, and force yeah. people to click next, but that's kind of compliance. It's related to risk mm. and, and you know, legal risk mitigation. It's kind of a different bucket of activity. Right. And you want to give people options and opportunities to go learn if they want to go do that. A lot yeah. of it's going to come from the leader. You, you mentioned yeah. in there performance consulting, which a lot of people understand, many people may not, is the idea behind that, that when people come to us with requests, business units come with requests, instead of just doing it, we actually stop and ask questions and try to figure out what is the real problem before we create a solution. Yeah, I mean, yeah, broadly, it's like people come to you because they're on the educational model, right? Your, your stakeholders think that what you do is education. So they say, we need a course and they'll give you a document to stick in it and it will have, make no difference whatsoever because you haven't actually talked to any of your audience. But, you know, performance consulting is a radical idea that you're actually going to talk to people and say, well, hang on, before we build a course, should we talk to you about what are the problems that you're actually facing? And maybe we can build some stuff that would help you, you know, and there's a bunch of people who talk about this. If you're interested at all in it, it, it makes a radical improvement in performance you know, read Atul Gawande's book, Check This Manifesto. He found that in clinical settings, a simple checklist could have more impact on performance than two weeks worth of training. Yeah. You know, there, there are other people, uh, Kathy Moore, you know, kind of has a, has a model for building, you know, goal-based, you know, stuff to support people in doing what they're trying to do. But, you know, there's, there's a secret philosophical bit. And, you know, you know, by now that I'm interested in the philosophy, the philosophy that people don't get around that, the thing they really don't understand, it's fascinating to watch learning people struggle with this, is that that's actually learning elimination. Oftentimes, you think about the London Underground map. It's a beautiful piece of performance support. I use mm -hmm. it. I've used it today. I use it every day. And, and I've been doing that for, I don't know, 20, 20 years or so getting around London. So yes. clearly I've learned less. You know, it's like, not like a, a week of trying to find my way out. Well, the why don't you have that memorized by now? Well, exactly. And the answer is we well, don't memorize it. If you've got a really good performance support, you can just look it up. I mean, it's just efficient, right? So actually performance support is is not about learning it's about learning elimination and that's actually where businesses need to head if they actually want to retain their competitive advantage in future yeah performance for and you mentioned audience analysis as well which i imagine is, is taking a deeper dive and looking at the audience the people that you want to work with and what they actually need how does that work yeah, I mean, it, it, I can go into detail, but at the risk of boring people, I think it's a simple idea is that if you're designing a product for somebody, it's not a bad idea to talk to them. And, and, and that whilst that sounds like common sense in every other discipline, you know, in education, we don't do it because, hey, nobody ever asked us about programs at school, right? We just kind of sat there and they just dumped yeah. stuff on us. So the, the idea is simply you say, well, if you're looking, if the business is looking for a performance outcome, not learning objective, performance outcome, then you, you actually engaged with your audience, with your target audience. Those are the people actually involved in delivering that outcome uh, around what are the problems and challenges. Specifically, I use a CTR analysis process, concern, task, resource. We find out what's really driving people, their concerns, because that's actually will drive their behavior. We look at the tasks they're actually having to do as, as part of delivering that outcome. And then we analyze resources which are actually going to support them in achieving the outcome and then you can kind of measure the effectiveness of that so it's, it's a different way of designing for performance and it may or may not involve learning um, but as as anyone who, who knows kind of performance consulting it's a really well established way of, yeah. of actually building performance 
Yeah, I like that CTR, Concern Task Resource. In looking up some of your experience in preparing for this interview, I found that you were part of, or you introduced the idea of this 5DI approach and user-centered learning. Could you explain what that is? Maybe we can start, what do you mean by user-centered learning? Yeah, I would love to. So this is almost kind of a maturity model, a three-step maturity model, um, which I'm actually going to share in a couple of weeks' time, actually. So I'm glad you asked. It's kind of preview of that. But, you know, stage one is education. So you can just go to a lot of organizations. They're just doing education. They're just basically transplanting school. So you take some content, you push it out, e-learning classroom, blah, 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 fine. Then there's organizations that move on to step two, which is performance consulting, which is actually then starting to think about what are this useful stuff that we could build, checklist guides and so on, to integrate learning into work to actually support people as they work but here's the thing that's only step two because that will leave you scratching your head about experiences in a performance consulting world you're just focused on the tasks really that people are trying to do but what about actually moving people onto the next level actually creating do we still need to have face-to-face at all in a performance consulting world. To answer that question, you need level three, which is user-centered design. The thing that you'll never understand from a performance consulting perspective is that really what drives people's learning is their concerns. Let me give you a simple example to bring this to life, otherwise it just sounds like gibberish. You've got a child and it's their first day at school. There's a whole series of tasks that they have to do. They have to get to their classes on time, remember the names of their teachers, whatever. You can catalog those. That's the performance consulting playbook. And you can build guides and maps. And and that's all very good. But what are they really worried about? The answer is that what they're really concerned about is fitting in, making friends, being accepted, not screwing up. And unless you understand their deeper concerns, which is what you do as part of that broader user-centered design, you will never be able to build the kinds of experiences um, so, for example, introductory meetings, buddies, um, you know, um, coach, uh, not well, coaching in a leadership context, but, you know, support and emotional support that will really build their capability. So actually, that's the third level of maturity moving on from just performance consulting, which is good for the, the practical tasks to actually really understanding the individual understanding you know what drives them what they care about and what therefore will be the experiences you can design to build their capability so that's taking a more user-centered design really understanding not just people's needs but what are their concerns what are they worried about and and how are you going to address all of those things so then what is the what's the five di di model how does that fit into this sure define discover design uh, develop, deploy, iterate. So define is, uh, and I'll, go, I'll try to go fast because I, I always think processes sound incredibly boring, um, <laughs> but define is, is define the outcome you want in terms of results, performance outcomes, not in terms of learning objectives. So let's just take topics and curriculum and content off the table. Let's talk about outcomes that you want. Discover, talk to your audience. So, you know, say to your stakeholders, look, if you want to achieve this outcome in your business, is it not a bad idea? It's a rhetorical question, I guess, to actually talk to the people involved in achieving that outcome, find out what's holding them back, what what they really worry about. And then design, design session, and then you bucketize it. In design, you can do one of two things. You can design the performance support, the resources, the checklist, the videos, and then you can design the experiences. So for example, if you want your leaders to be better coaches of people, or you want them to handle difficult conversations better. A checklist probably is not going to cut it. There's something about actually practicing that experience in an environment where it's safe to fail. And then deploy, typically moving away from the the kind of cut and dried module format towards a, a more kind of iterative MVP kind of deployment. 
and then uh, ultimately, sorry, develop and deploy, and then ultimately iterate. Always kind of, you know, get some metrics and then kind of cycle back and and uh, improve as you go. Uh, so, so yes, that's kind of five DI in a in a nutshell. Wait, I got I got define, discover, design, and deploy. Did I miss develop, deploy, ah, and develop. Iterate. Okay, develop and deploy exactly. All right. And earlier you mentioned when we were just starting to talk about your philosophy on learning, you you were talking about impact and measurement, which is an important factor that unfortunately a lot of people overlook, right? How do we measure this to make sure it's actually making a difference? Yeah. And so many people will be familiar with the kind of Kirkpatrick, you know, level four model. That's kind of held us back in terms of measurement because mm. it's encouraged people to be complacent, to think that it's okay to kind of get level one, level two metrics, which is you know, people like to the experience, you know, a level two kind of reaction or, or kind of level one, the other way around, actually. Level um, one is kind of they liked it. Level two is that they remembered something. But here's the, the problem. Neither of those will necessarily have any influence on performance. So they both encourage us as learning professionals, um, I think, to actually be satisfied with just, you know, pleasant experiences and a kind of a quick quiz at the end. So what I've said to my team and our mission is to measurably improve, as I say, kind of performance and experience. So the only things that we're concerned about is, you know, are we impacting performance and ultimately kind of business outcomes? And are we impacting employee experience? Um, in ways that we can measure, for example, engagement. And so we set out to do those two things. Learning is a, a means, not an end. And I think this is a departure from many organizations where in essence, the learning strategy is just to, you know, push more content out more efficiently, you know, to increase the use of blending, for example, to deliver more courses. But we, we have to kind of, I think, leave that behind if, if we're to be credible and useful in future. Yeah, so we're starting with the end in mind. What yeah. is it that we actually want to achieve? We, we've done our analysis to kind of define it, discover design, figure out what's the right methodology. And then are we actually achieving that? How much progress are we making towards that end goal? Yeah, that's right. Uh, I think it makes sense. And a lot of people, like you said, get caught up in the, well, is the learning good? Is it a, you know, is it a good program that people like it? And I've been there as well. But as you said, learning is a means to an end. It's not the end itself, <laughs> yeah, let, right? Let, let's talk about that. Good is such yeah. a loaded word. So is right. it good? Yeah, is it and, good? And that's often the kind of people metric, like it. The, the one to five. Yeah. And that's the thing, because actually, if you think back at some of the learning experiences that have impacted you, and I'd invite anyone listening to this podcast to think about that, yeah. they've not necessarily been pleasant experiences. You mm. know, quite often they're associated with kind of stress and transition and so on. And mm. actually, the key to understanding that is that it's generally challenges that drive your learning. Now, if I'm looking at a learning program and I have to review quite a lot of those, I have a quick rule of thumb, which is where's the challenge? If there's no challenge anywhere in that program, nobody's learning anything, let's be honest. So you might get a great, you might get a 4.5 if what you're measuring is did people enjoy it? You know, the facilitator was entertaining. Yep. We got to do some fun stuff. Yeah, exactly. And this has held us back because actually the better question to ask is, was the program challenging? When mm -hmm. I think about the programs that I've designed where we've seen most change in the, the participants, let's say leadership, for example, it's been, we've really challenged them. We've really challenged them in terms of how they see themselves. We've challenged them to do stuff that they find difficult and given them feedback on it and then ask them to do it again but better you know these are the things that, that drive capability upwards or, 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 or actually but they're not always experienced as just enjoyable we're not here to be entertainers but we somehow sort of drifted into that space you know delivering education in a quasi-entertaining way it's, it's are not good. you are you not entertained 
Is that <laughs> yeah, beautiful, right? Yeah. Come on. Yeah, yeah. I, I've been yeah. caught up in that as, as well. Yeah. And I, I like what you said about challenging people mm. because we do, whether it's from our manager or from a training program, we do often learn the most when we are challenged to get out of our comfort zone and do things yeah. we've never done before. That's when I've learned the most and that's most other people learn as well. Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, you know, a very specific example, we were building, um, designing a, uh, a leadership program, first level leaders for a very technical organization. They often make the same mistake. BP did. You take people who are very technically good. You say, oh, you're good at your job, make you a leader. Yep. And, and they're precisely the wrong people to, to promote because then right. they micromanage and they're not good with people. Right. And, yeah. and so in this organization, they had this kind of chronic problem with those individuals. They were often deep introverts, technical specialists. They were really bad at talking to the team. So we designed a speed dating type challenge where there's two circles and they had to introduce themselves get to know the other person really connect you know and we gave them some sort of prompts and frameworks and conversation cards and then we ran this speed dating exercise so every five minutes you move to the next person i'm guessing you've never been on speed dating and you know, obviously clearly you don't need that kind of help right, right. but um yeah but um so they you know they they, they did this for you know uh, i can't remember it was like 40 minutes and and they found it exhausting and really challenging. Um, and this, this whole idea of kind of flexing your style and meeting people and talking to them, but it was tough, right? But that's exactly what they needed to get better at, you know, is that of being a leader of really, you've been curious about people, deeply yeah. listening. Um, so yeah, that's, that's what we did. For over three years now, the Talent Development Hot Seat Podcast has been proudly sponsored by Advantage Performance Group. Advantage Performance Group provides creative learning and consulting solutions that equip individuals, teams, and organizations to be the best at what they do. Advantage helps leaders lead, sellers sell, and businesses flourish, and you to be more successful at your job. The Advantage website has great free resources, including this podcast and an amazing webinar series that include topics such as innovation, future storming, inclusion, sales, leadership, and so much more. To get access to all of our free resources, as well as overviews of the solutions that Advantage offers, just head on over to AdvantagePerformance.com. That's AdvantagePerformance.com. And you're practicing skills that you don't normally get to practice or that you're yeah. uncomfortable doing. And uh, you're right, I've never got experienced speed dating. Uh, I've been married for 17 years myself, but I do facilitate a lot of speed networking uh, both within the talent development think tank community yeah. that I run and the summits that I run. Uh, I found a cool platform for that. And we do that usually about once a month and you get a bunch of people, you get to talk to somebody for about six minutes and then you move on to the next person. It's a great way to meet a lot of different people. That sounds really good. Yeah. yeah. Well, maybe I'd be interested in the platform sometime, but that sounds really cool. Yeah, sure. The, um, the platform's called Meet Away and yeah, happy to tell you more about it. Yeah. I have no, you know, stake in yeah, their, yeah. their success. Yeah. I've gotten yeah. to know one of the founders and we've used their, their software yeah. quite a bit, but yeah, it's really cool. So um, the last thing I wanted to ask you about was, uh, you know, your experience going through the pandemic obviously changed everything for everyone, mm -hmm. right? In 2020 and yeah. L&D, the, the world was kind of turned upside down, right? Especially for most companies that were relying on in-person programs. And I'm yeah. just curious, you know, from your perspective and how you manage things at uh, Deloitte in the UK, you know, how did you approach this and, and shift things if they weren't already going, you know, digital or virtual to make sure that you were giving people the right experience they needed while they were working remotely, you know, in this yeah. new world? That's such a good question. It was one I was thinking about and talking about just today, actually, with a colleague, mm. which is that our learning experience from training or kind of L&D, if you like, closely mirrors our learning experiences of business from meetings. So, so here's the thing. Hmm. Right now, we're struggling, like many 
businesses are to understand why people should go back in the office and when they should go back in the office because we learned something really interesting from the pandemic which is that if you're just planning to get people together to show them a powerpoint presentation maybe you don't need to do that right. and so that's a really weird thing it's like well if we're not going to the office to just sit and look at a powerpoint when somebody talks why are we and and a lot of leaders and a lot of people have no real understanding of why people should get get together you know in, in the absence of just kind of sharing a, a bit of information and we're not very good and so we're, we're being forced to learn about how to have a good experience together right mm -hmm. and, and and that's fascinating that without the powerpoint handrail people kind of they feel adrift they don't know what to do and exactly the same is true of learning we had a massive dependence i think on face-to-face -face learning events which were predominantly information sharing and what we discovered like many organizations we can do those just as effectively over zoom but we also recognized through that process that there's a real need to get together for quality experiences. And so there's been a rebalancing is, is the answer to your question. We, we want to get back together face to face, but not for the purposes of just showing somebody a PowerPoint presentation. And we're really having to think deeply and hard about where we save money by delivering PowerPoint and Zoom. And if that's what we're doing, the training digitally and where we can really you know, create a fantastic experience for people face-to-face, -face. and we are. And, and we're doing that with our investment in Deloitte University, for example, a Paris facility. But we're not going to take people all the way to Paris and then just have them sat in a room looking at something they could do over Zoom, right? right. And, and we're going to have to think harder about what quality time really looks like. And, and the reason I say that's so fascinating is that's exactly what we're having to do with the office space, which is we're having to think harder about you know what quality time looks like when people actually get together so yeah, yeah that, that, that's where we are um yeah i mean i guess many organizations are too oh definitely and i agree so you know if the default in the past was we need everybody to get this information let's put them all together in the same room right and then yeah. even though the leader is getting up with a boring powerpoint that, <laughs> yeah. that could have been on zoom or really could have been an email frankly right to get information to people now we're saying okay now we can get people together again but if we are going to pay for travel and ask people to travel yeah. from far and wide on planes and trains, whatever it may be, and we're going to get them all in a room for a couple of days, what are we going to do to make sure that we are leveraging that time? We're use, making the good, good use of that time instead of just doing something they could do at home. Yeah. And I think the people in the room are asking the same question. If yeah. they're bored, why did I come here? I could have just done this at home. And isn't that amazing? Because that was the same problem all along right mm -hmm. it's just that we just it's the whatever it says so it's like a ritual we just kind of went with it right but now that ritual has been disrupted imagine being the business and saying to somebody in lnd so let, let me get this straight right you want to get all these people together take them off work put them in a hotel have them travel all over the place so so you can do what exactly so you can show them your powerpoint slides mm. We just learned that we could do that at a fraction of the cost. Right. So yeah, yeah, maybe let's not do that. Let's do something that's really worthwhile. So L&D, yeah. tell me, what's a really worthwhile thing to do when you get people together when they're not? And, and the beauty of that is people are starting to think about experience design. Mm -hmm. They're starting to think about how would you design an experience then that yeah. really builds people's capability and causes them to learn? And, and, and that's, that's kind of what I do. And that's what I've kind of always done. So it's been a bit yeah. of a springboard, I guess. 
for that. Yeah, I love that because I mean, humans are we are we are social creatures. We're made to connect. We want to get back together in person. But we want to use that time wisely, actually connecting with each other. Maybe we yeah. do the learning before, you know, and then we we get together. And I'm yeah. and the whole like what has happened has opened up so many new opportunities, right? Like I do a lot yeah. of keynotes at companies instead of in person. They're all virtual now, and I can impact so many mm-hmm. more people, right? You can speak to yeah. so many more people when you make it short and impactful, right? And you don't mm-hmm. you don't cause them to tune out, and then you could possibly get them together in smaller groups, right, to actually interact with each other and and really dig into what are they learning and what are they going to do about it and, and help each yeah. other. There's so many things you can do with it now. Yeah, yeah, there is. Yeah. So Nick, this has been a really great conversation, you know, really, I, you know, kind of insightful and helping me think through, you know, how to design learning and what to think about. We, we talked about the maturity model. We talked about, uh, you know, learning centered design. We talked about the 5DI model um, for people that want to get in touch with you, maybe learn more about what you're doing or ask you questions. Where's the best place for them to go? Oh, thanks for prompting me. Uh, they can find me on Twitter. Uh, Twitter handle is at Shackleton Jones. I wrote a book, by the way. I should probably oh. mention that called How People Learn. It was published a couple of years ago. Very successful. So if people are really interested in all this kind of stuff, they can buy the book. But you don't have to do that either. You can find me kind of online. I, I blog a lot on LinkedIn. And pretty much everything I have to say, I share, you know, for free anyway. So, you know, um, if you just want it in a version that you you can, you know, bookmark, then, then the book is fine. Uh, but mm-hmm. other Otherwise, you can you can find videos and blogs and whatever online. I like it. So find Nick on Twitter and LinkedIn. His book is called How People Learn. I imagine that's available on Amazon, right? It is, yeah. Books. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, we'll put a link to that in our show notes. And we're going to do a bonus Q&A in our next episode to dig in a little bit more about your career as well. But Nick, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate the time. That's great. I really enjoyed it. Thanks, Andy. All right. Take care. All right, that will do it for my interview with Nick Shackleton-Jones about learning-centered design. I hope that you got some value out of that. Did you learn something new? Have you heard of the things that Nick was talking about? Have you heard of his 5DI approach before? That was new for me, and I enjoyed learning about it. Define the outcome you want. Discover by talking to stakeholders and audience. Design support or experience. Develop and deploy an iterative experience. I thought that was useful something I'm going to keep in mind for future projects and uh, to recommend to others who are looking to design new programs. I want to remind you before we go that, of course, this episode and all our episodes are sponsored by the Talent Development Think Tank community, which is the number one place to go to learn, share, grow, connect with other people in talent development. We have over 100 wonderful members. Everybody's so generous, kind, giving. I don't really tolerate anything else, frankly. Uh, It's the kind of community I want to create where people want to give as much as take, that they want to help others as much as they need help. We don't have any mooches. We don't have any rude people. This is, I mean, this is who I am, right? This is the community I'm creating. You know, I wouldn't tolerate anything else. And so if you want to be around people like that in talent development, come join us. We have a live call every Wednesday. We have a private Slack channel. We have recordings. We have a private podcast. We have all kinds of great stuff tons of value. People join. They rarely leave, although you can leave anytime you want. And our website is tdtt.us to find more info and sign up. And you can use code HOTSEAT, H-O-T-S-E-A-T, for 10% off your membership for being a podcast listener. Just let me know you came from the podcast when you join. And the first thing I do, by the way, with every new member is book a 30-minute call to get to know them because I want to know all of our members personally, know what their goals are in their career, and see if I can help them with anything that's an additional bonus that it's not really advertised on our website, but being a connector and someone who really loves helping people, that's who I am. And that's what I do with all of our members. I think I know each one of them personally and what they're working on. 
And I want to add you to that list if you want to be there. So again, tdtt.us and use code HOTSEAT for 10% off. All right, thanks for listening. And tune in in a couple days. Our next episode will be a bonus Q&A round with Nick Shackleton-Jones about his career, the challenges he sees in talent development, and the trends he's following as well. Thanks again for listening to the Talent Development Hot Seat. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to leave us a rating and review on iTunes to help other people find the show. And as always, you can find all of our episodes and tons of free resources on our website, talentdevelopmenthotseat.com. Thank you again. Take care.